Welcome, everyone. We are back. We did a little assessment of our first podcast, and I think we walked out feeling pretty positive about everything. Yeah, I'm pleased with the conversation. You know, I won't get in too much into my annoying voice, but growing to my voice about that. You do not have an annoying voice at all. I think it's very soothing, and I hope that it doesn't actually like put me to sleep in a good way during this podcast, but... I really enjoyed it. I think that the podcast was was good because it was free-flowing. I think it felt organic. really did feel like those conversations that we talked about that were the whole catalyst for why we even decided that we want to do a podcast like this is because, you know, we, we talk a lot about a variety of subjects, and I think we get deep in some of them, and some of them are lighthearted and just, you know, joking around and whatnot. And, and hopefully this podcast is a, is a reflection of that relationship that we have. And yeah, so anyways, we're here on episode two. Preston and I were talking about it and thought that maybe this time we won't go quite so deep and so serious and right. we won't spend all of our time talking about the kids. We're just going to talk about music. Right, yeah. And, and actually, I kind of want to point out the setting. So <coughs> Justin lives in a... What is it? A community. Community. Okay, a community. Um, and, you know, with that comes amenities. And so they have a small library, which is typically empty and available. And so it's set up in there because it's quiet, it's quaint, you know. But tonight is poker night, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, por- it's poker night. So that means that some of the other residents have, are actually taking advantage of some of these amenities. And so we were a little bit too late to get there. So... We are actually just looking out onto the pool. It's like an Olympic-sized pool. It's really big. This is, I don't know about olympic size. Okay, maybe not olympic size, but it's big. It's, it's a good size. It's big. And we're, we're looking out on this pool. We're, we're sitting in, in, I guess, kind of like a pool chairs and, and just taking it all in. But again, because we live in Bona Hill and it's a pretty quiet community, so I don't know that you would be able to tell that this is much different than the library. I mean, I can hear an airplane right now flying overhead, but I don't know yeah, if the mics are picking it up. It's ambiance, yeah. And it's actually, you know, we are in, obviously, San Diego, yes, California, which yeah. like 90% of the year is beautiful, um, except for this this first half of the year was terrible. Well, I, I liked it. I, I do, too. I liked it because it was nice and chilly and... And I'm really into like fall clothing. So right. I was I was loving it wearing leather jackets all the time and whatnot. But, you know, now we're back to what is normal, I would say, for San Diego. And so, you know, like we're kind of in the high 70s these days. So San Diego weather, especially in the summer, is shorts all day and then bring a hoodie, I think. Yeah. Because once I'm, I'm wearing goes, a hoodie right now. Yeah, right. So. Once the sun goes down, it gets pretty chilly. Yeah. And when I was, I was driving Uber for a while, right before the pandemic, and that was my suggestion to all these tourists that I was driving around is, oh, what do you wear? You know, what do you wear? And it's like, it's October and it's, you know, it's hot outside. People aren't used to that. I mean, it's like, yeah, San Diego, shorts, bring a hoodie. That's so, uh, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I mean, I think that, that, you know, again, not to be bringing in the kids again, but we, we took a family trip. We went to Atlanta where I lived for six, seven years. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends lives there. And so we've uh, decided that we wanted to make it like an annual summer trip to go out there because she has a son that's um, roughly the age of my kids. And so we went out there and I think my kids had a newfound appreciation for the weather here in San Diego <laughs> because Atlanta, as 
many of you know, is is very hot and very humid. And so just walking outside and, and doing anything outside actually is, is just kind of a chore. Yeah. Because it's so stuffy and so sticky. And so they came back to San Diego and I think they were sort of like, right. sort of, they just, you home know, sweet home. exactly like a... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, so that's what gets me in that weather is just the stickiness. Like I can kind of I can deal with the heat. It's just I can't stand being sticky. It's suffocating constantly. Yeah, and and it's that feeling of you know you go outside and immediately you need to take a shower and you want to go back. And yeah. so it's it's not fun. Right. It's not fun at all. Yeah. I was in. We were discussing before. I was in Fort Benning, Georgia, mm-hmm. for. A little while, and it was it was just miserable. It was like ninety five outside and raining, you know. And it was just I was sick. I was sick for like a month straight with the flu, <laughs> ear infection. Could not. You know clean. why? Because you were spoiled by this California weather, yeah. specifically San Diego. It's right. Just, it's a dream. It's a dream. I think. I, I think my my dad told me one time that San Diego is is like ranked in the top. I, I want to say like five, maybe ten, really? ten at the at the least, uh, in terms of, like, best weather in the world. No shit. Yeah. So I think a lot of people that grew up here, they just, you included, I don't know if you take it for granted or not, but there are much, much worse climates out there than than what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do kind of take it for granted. I I haven't traveled too much. You know, I've been to Colorado where it was snowing. I've been in the south where it's hot and muggy. Um, and I, I hate I hate both extremes. I kind of <laughs> like being right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So let's draw back to music. Sure, music. So I was gonna say maybe the the best way to start it off is just to say just to ask like uh, what have you been listening to recently? Recently, I've been and to to preface this real quick, we're both big into music. So yes, this is I don't know everything, and I, I'm still open to new stuff but recently i've been getting into older stuff that i was listening to a long time ago which is hardcore um okay you have the the founders of of hardcore like new york hardcore like madball and agnostic front and then you have kind of the newer wave stuff which is hate breed and so for my benefit and also probably for some of the listeners, what how would you describe what hardcore is? Because when I mean, you're saying that right now, sure, I didn't really know what I was picturing. Like, I didn't know if we were talking about, like, old 60s punk mm-hmm. music or hardcore 70s. I, I don't know. I mean, what's the time period? What does it sound like? Is it is it loud? Is it the precursor to heavy metal? Like, what is it? Yeah. So I'm not, you know, forgive me if, if I misspeak because I'm not a, an aficionado of hardcore Although I'm big anything fan. you say is going to be more knowledgeable than me <laughs> right now. So hard, it's kind of like short for like hardcore punk. Okay. So take punk like Sex Pistols for instance, mm-hmm. Sid Vicious, then, all of that. Uh-huh. Right, and then just make it like angrier, <laughs> and it's more about. So punk was about like anarchy, right? And hardcore is more about like DIY. Like, do it yourself. Rely on yourself. Don't, you know, like, society's not going to help you, so it's up to you and, and your group, your crew. So um, it's, it's like an empowering It actually thing? really is. There's okay. this band, Hate Breed, which kind of the first one that comes to mind. It's really about, like, picking yourself up, doing it on your own, 
And I mean, if you really listen to the lyrics, I mean, there's a lot of anger in there too, but if you really listen to the lyrics, it's really kind of self-motivating with some gusto. (laughs) I'm, I don't know whether or not you've made it any more clear <laughs> um, because when you said that it was, it was kind of like punk music, but you know, just with a little different slant, maybe different perspective, I kind of got it, but I don't, I'm assuming it's really loud. Loud. Yeah. You said a lot angry. A lot of yelling. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of yelling. Okay. Really heavier typically. And mm-hmm. so like, uh, like every other genre, there are sub-genres, too. So you have things like beatdown. Um, <laughs> I think I think that pretty much sums it up right there. Right, <laughs> right. If a genre is called beatdown, right. then... It's like getting beat in the face with with yelling. <laughs> okay, so so this is my question. What exactly is the appeal of this music? Because because I would say that the picture that you created for me right now right. doesn't make me want to look for it on Spotify. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure I've described it horribly. Too. I'm sure <laughs> some hardcore fans are just like, "You're an idiot. You're not. You're not. You're not getting to the essence of, <laughs> of pointing of out the hardcore. finer points of hardcore." <laughs> you know, it's uh, what's the word? It because it's so expressive and like in your face expressive is kind of hard to ignore it's it's very hard to ignore or hard to tune out a little bit of both okay. actually okay it's it's i would say that it's empowering i would say that it feels tough if you listen to it just feels tough okay so then my question would be why do you seek out music that feels tough like what is it about that kind of music that gives you any sort of that's attractive to you in any way I think that, again, I think it's just, it feels like I've got this whole crew behind me that's belting out these lyrics that I can, just like all music, really, I can, like, that resonates with me and I can, I can relate to in, in certain periods of my life. And, okay. and, you know, and these guys aren't, you know, sing-songing about it. They're, they're yelling it. They're yelling their feelings. <laughs> Okay, so you, so what I'm what I'm getting is that you, what you like is the the realness, the rawness mm, of yeah. it, the fact that you can relate to it, right? Sure, and, sure. And when you say that, you know, you feel like you have this whole crew behind you. I mean, it's it's just in sort of the like disenfranchised youth, you know, all, and all of us have been some version of that, right, at yeah. some point, but just feeling like only this group or only this music really understands mm-hmm. like how you felt in the past or how you feel currently and, and whatnot. So I guess my other question is, so you said this is, this is music that you listened to before and you're kind of getting back into it again. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you say that you feel like, you know, this is your, this is your crew or this is, this is, you know, they're speaking to you. It mm-hmm. resonates with you. Does it resonate to you now as a, as someone in their forties Versus when you were in your twenties, or is it the the memory, the positive memory you had of how it resonated with you back then? I think so. Yes, it, it brings back fond memories. You know, I used to go a lot of shows when I was younger, um, and I think also it kind of with that it kind of brings puts me in the moment. Um, and it's kind of like yes, I'm this you know semi responsible adult with 
you know, kids and I don't get in trouble anymore. You, you, you and I still kind of have the look, which is, yeah. which is, which is good. <laughs> and again, listeners, I mean, when you do finally see a press and this will all make, make sense to sure. you. I don't, but it's kind of, kind of for that moment, I kind of feel like that again. I feel like a tough guy again. Mm. Okay. So you like the way that it, that it makes you feel because it makes you feel the way you did when you were younger. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Expressive, right. not, not giving a shit, just being, <laughs> Just being a tough guy, I guess. Just yeah, it's well. I think I think that's kind of the beauty of music, though, right? Is that is that I don't know. Like I think you and I were talking about movies, right? And and movies that are well received, well reviewed, things mm-hmm. like that. And I think that music is kind of like that too, right? Like I mean, go back to like say Rolling Stone giving reviews of albums and whatnot. They would give them stars and whatnot. So I guess that's that was some kind of stamp of approval, but. When it boils down to it, I mean, it's it's basically music. What music speaks to you, right. and what, what, how it makes you feel, yes. right? And 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 what it what it does for you in that moment, right? And so, you know, sometimes I I think about maybe certain types of music or certain groups or certain songs that they mean something to me because they were meaningful to me at a specific moment in my life, mm-hmm. and so I don't know, you know, because some of these. These songs, let's just talk about a song rather than, than an artist. A specific song might have meaning to me, even though I don't listen to, you know, much of that artist. Right. Uh, or if I'd never listened to that that song now, but that song meant something at a, a certain time. I mean, so maybe it becomes a favorite of mine. Maybe I really think highly of it because it had that impact on me back then. And so I think that's what makes me, you know, very curious about, you know, your assessment of, of hardcore now is you know like where does the value come from Mm, you know and what it mm. sounds like is that value comes from the feeling that it gave you at a certain point in your life and how you enjoy being able to experience that feeling again through the music yeah yeah exactly sure how about you any anything new you've been listening to lately Um, so i've been you know i i grew up in the you know i guess i was in high school and college in the 80s and the 90s so a lot of the music that i enjoy always goes back to like the 80s and so i've been listening to a lot of depeche mode recently okay because they just put out an album memento mori and how how many how many albums is that for depeche i mean mode? i want to say they have like maybe 12 okay 10 or 12 something like that it's not like it's not cr- it's not it's, it's not crazy but uh they're just i mean this this tour specifically has been, you know, like a sold out tour for them here in the in the states and also in Europe. And I think they just finished up their last European show, and now they're coming back to for the second leg of their their U.S. tour for, for this new album. Yes, for the new album. And so there are only two members that surviving members of the four people that were initially in, in Depeche Mode, and. So it's Dave Gahan, which is the lead singer, and then Martin Gore, who's like the songwriter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, they're both in their early 60s. Wow. And yeah. And it's just, you know, what's amazing to me is 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 I love their music from, you know, when I was a teenager. And Depeche Mode music is, is kind of dark and, you know, very synth based. And, and I wouldn't, I definitely was not a goth or anything like that in high school. But their music just always spoke to me because I think it was very melodic. I really like Dave Gahan's voice. You know, he has like a very, very strong, like baritone voice. And, and I don't really like the music a lot. But what's amazing to me is that their music still is synth based and it still 
has that sort of darkness to it, mm-hmm. but it's still relevant now. I wouldn't say that it sounds like a lot of, you know, music that is played on the radio yeah. per se or pop music or yeah. whatnot, but it's still, it's kind of like they're able to, and I, and I think this is, this is a very like a very hard balance to, to keep is that they stay true to themselves. They still sound like Depeche Mode, but mm-hmm. at the same time they're, they're, they just updated it just enough so that they're still relevant, you know, so you don't sound like you're just listening to like 80s music. Well, when when you say dark, do you mean lyrically dark or lyrically dark? Yeah, I mean they they have they have a song called Blasphemous Blasphemous Rumors. I don't know if you ever heard of that that song, but I'm familiar with Depeche Mode, but I know like you know yeah, the yeah. three hits. Right, right. So Blasphemous Rumors is probably from like 1984 or five, maybe. Uh-huh. And and the the chorus says something like you know I think that God's got a sick sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And when I die, I think he'll be laughing or something like that, right? And gotcha. so, you know, the lyrics are <laughs> that time and probably still not not very PC, right? right. Um, and so maybe more now than <laughs> right, exactly. And so, so you know, they had they had lyrics that were kind of dark. I mean, their music had this sort of like uh, harsh in, industrial, but still like melodic sort of sound to it. So, right. Right. yeah. So, anyways, it was it was kind of dark, but. But they've always been, especially in the '80s, they they were you know really popular and very I would say mainstream like on K Rock, mm-hmm. like KROQ. Did uh, they? Did, were you familiar with KROQ? It's KR, like, yeah, yeah, K-Rock, yeah. LA yeah. station, right? Right, right. So you know they were played all the time on K Rock, which is you know the station I listen to the most. K Rock, K Rock, yeah. K R O Q. But we don't get that in San Diego. Yeah, I did get it in Hemet. Okay, <laughs> where, gotcha, gotcha. Where I grew up, so yeah. So did the Peshmo? Did they? Did they, did they frequent a a particular topic in their songs, or were they kind of like all over the place? Well, okay. So the first thing you need to know is is I I call it hard of hearing. I'm not actually hard of hearing. I'm hard of hearing of lyrics. Okay, so uh-huh. I struggle. I have I have to focus very very intensely if I want to. Um, if I want to be able to understand lyrics that are being sung. And uh-huh. so with that said, a lot of times I don't know what, what the songs are, are saying. And now we now we're in the, the moment or at the time. My whole life. Yeah. My whole life. I mean, you know, if I listen to a song a hundred times, then I'll probably know what the chorus says. Right. You know, so but, being being a metal fan... And particularly... Well, like, so lyrics don't make, make a difference at all, right? Because you can't hear them anyways. <laughs> Over the guitar. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So I'm a big death metal fan, you know, Cannibal Corpse and the like. I mean, the fact that it has Cannibal and Corpse in the same name, I mean, that says everything. Right. And so now, after listening to death metal for the last 30-ish years, Mm -hmm. I can kind of pick out a lot of words That's like the well a lot of words but also can you can you pick out the sort of underlying themes that seem to always pop up in that type of music yeah i mean it's usually it's doing some sort of harm to another person you know <laughs> so <laughs> force spread broken glass oh, is, you know <laughs> uh, and then i would go back and read the lyrics which is great for a 13 year old but so I, I get it. I get enjoying the tone of the song versus, you know, exactly or like, you know, how it sounds or the melody or whatever. I, I, well, I mean, 
for sure I hear the melody, for sure I hear the song. I mean, I think some people might say that not knowing what the lyrics that are being sung, you know, if you can't hear that or you don't understand that, how could you really, really get the song? But sometimes I think that it's a combination of, you know, what the melody is with the way that it's being sung, that specific song versus others. And honestly, if you can hear the chorus, I mean, you pretty much know what it's about. Look at the people who sing songs who don't know the words anyways. (laughs) Smooth operator. So my wife works with somebody, you know, they have the radio going all day. Right, right. And people sing songs all day. And so, you know, Sade. Yes. So smooth operator. Um, And one of her coworkers said, (laughs) Shubapaleto. But this is a foreigner, I'm assuming. No, 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 no. Shubapaleto. Yeah. Exactly. So you can like a song and not know the words. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's funny. But yeah, I mean, I'm, there are like a thousand of examples of like these popular songs that people, they just butcher it because sure. they don't hear it. I've done it many times too. And they're catchy. That's why they're, they're tops, you know, they're, what are they? Chart toppers. Right, right. Because they're catchy and people like to sing them, hum them, whatever. Uh, so... So I've been listening to Tabeshmo, but, you know, following this whole 80s thing, I've also been listening to a lot of The Cure. So I don't know if you're any more familiar with The Cure than you are uh, Mode. I know about the equally, like about three songs. The song, yeah, The Cure. And, okay. they're, you know, the hits, they're great. Right, right. Amazing thing about The Cure, just like just like Depeche Mode, is that they, I, I saw them during their Wish tour in 1992 when mm-hmm. I was in college, and they were great. You know, live. I also saw Depeche Mode that year uh, during their Songs of Faith and Devotion. What year uh, was that? That was 1992. 92. Songs of Faith and Devotion tour. But anyways. I was I, nine. You nine. And again, I was in college. <laughs> so my sophomore year in college. But anyways, I, I saw the, the Cure in concert. And from that time until like concert albums from uh-huh. the last couple of years, they sound he sounds exactly the same. I, I would, Robert Smith. I would um, I would echo that sentiment. I've I've heard him a bunch, you know, back then and lately. He and sounds so good. Yeah, still the same. And and again, just like just like the Depeche Mode sort of resurgence, if you want to call it that, is the, is that they, this this tour supposedly for the Cure, they had this battle with Live Nation trying to keep the prices down on, on concert tickets because they wanted to make sure that the fans could attend their, their shows. Good. And so even with that and the concert tickets being pushed down, this mm-hmm. is their most successful tour ever Good. in like the history of, of The Cure, right? And so I'm maybe some of that is because, you know, just the goodwill that they got from, you know, sort of standing up for mm-hmm. their, their fans. But I think it's also just, I don't know, I don't know if like people are like into the 80s music again or... Or maybe they think you know, Robert Smith is again in his sixties. So how much longer is he going to actually be touring? But then you look at like the Stones, or Bruce Springsteen, or you know any of them. And I mean, some of them are like, I mean, Mick Jagger is what eighty, yeah. seventy eight, or something like that. I think he'd stop playing. Really? They just retire? Are they? Done? Oh, you, they should. They should <laughs> just stop. They should. Hey, just the fact that he can still get on stage <laughs> is just know, impressive to me. But anyway, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just thoroughly thoroughly impressed with how good robert smith still sounds now he doesn't look anywhere 
like death. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't look anything like he right. used to. I mean, he's probably like, I don't know, 40 or 50 pounds heavier or whatnot. But I mean, again. He's still doing it. I mean, when you're Robert Smith, like, doesn't really matter. Sure. You know, he still has like the makeup. He still has like the crazy hair. But he's just, uh, I don't know. That's I, impressive. I, I think, impressive crew. I think the number of tickets sold is, so Plymouth came out with car I'm not a car guy, but I do remember this car. They came out with this car called the Prowler. Do you remember this yes, car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the modern hot rod. Yeah, like a muscle car. How long ago was it? It's 15 years ago. Probably, yeah, like when they were doing all those like kind of remakes. So, like, and when they turn around and do the, like, that's when like the Mustang was redone. I don't remember. Yeah, and like the Dodge Charger. Right. We did that. So I remember reading about this and the the idea was is this was the car for the guys 50 years ago who couldn't afford the car. The, and they could the finally have it now. And they could finally have it now. And so I kind of feel that that's a similar situation with the Cure tickets is you've got all these kids that kind of grew up with the Cure, and now they've got all this adult money where they can actually spend, spend it on tickets. And- I mean, it's... It's weird. It's like, on one hand, I, I think of concerts. I mean, I, I probably have not been to, as much as I love music, I probably have only been to maybe less than 15 concerts in my life. Okay. Every time I go, I feel like it's really special. But, you know, so I, I told you in 92, I went to, to the Cure and Depeche Mode's concerts. Mm. But both of them, I actually left before they finished. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's like, uh, well, there's two things. One is that I don't know if I just kind of get bored with it after a while, mm. you know? Just that experience. I mean, I'm like really into it in the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, like an hour and a half later, I'm sort of like, I'm kind of done. But I think other reason, which this may be the main reason, is that I don't like seeing live shows where it's like in a stadium or an arena or anything like that because I feel so detached from from the music and the group, right? Like I don't want to see the singer on a screen, you know, like yeah. I, or I don't want them yeah. to like a t- yeah. tiny little speck. Yeah. So the best concerts I've been to and the ones that I that I don't leave early and I stay there to the very, very end are the ones that are, you know, like little clubs yeah. and, and things like that because I'm like right there, yeah. right there. And I just feel like I'm a part of everything. Like like here in San Diego, like the shows I've seen, like I saw Block Party. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of them. Block Party in House of Blues. I've, like I've House heard of them. Yeah. I mean, I saw them there. That was a really good show. Yeah. Luckily for me, throughout the time that I've been into music... I like a lot of the European groups, and so they're huge over in Europe. But then when they come tour here in the U.S., they always do these tiny little little venues. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to see them in, like, these little venues. So I don't know. That that might be it is that if I can't see a group and feel, like, there, like, yeah. right there with them, yeah. I don't really want to see it. So I, I've been – I agree with you with, with concerts. Concerts are something super special. Um, and I don't think any any – I don't think anything can match seeing a band live. It's just there's an energy that flows through people when everyone is really just kind of hanging on that note or just just the singer, the band's energy. I mean, you can really you can feel it. It's electric. But would you but would you say that about every group that's playing live or specific groups that play live? Um no, I mean not every group. I've seen some duds for mm-hmm. sure. For I've, example for example what? Who? Oh, God, you put me on the spot now. Uh, who have I seen that I didn't like? I Honestly, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. 
Just bands that, well, so bands that are also playing or opening bands. That's, that's what I was going to say. A band that you did not yeah. choose to go see. Right. Or you were dragged to go see. Right. So I've never been never been dragged to go see, but there's definitely been some opening bands that I, I didn't want to see. But I'm there anyway, so... I'm standing here, but I was really fortunate as a kid. My my buddy Billy, my childhood friends, we're still good friends to this day. We were friends since kindergarten. That's impressive. His his mother was a metalhead, and so whenever she got tickets, she would buy two extras, one for me and one for Billy. Um, and so I was really fortunate growing up because my parents. I've never been to a concert with my parents. They're just not music people i've been to a concert a classical music concert right, with my parents right i might have been to a jesus concert <laughs> with my parents yeah, big up carmen you familiar with carmen at all no well, carmen the opera the singer <laughs> no no <laughs> he's a jesus guy but anyways no wait did you say eric carmen no, no. Okay, no. not not hungry eyes. Eric. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what hungry eyes is? I do. Okay, I do. Okay. Uh, so I've seen shows all over the place. A lot in San Diego. Most Soma. In San Diego. Soma. Yeah, of course. Soma is actually a really good example. So it's I don't know if you're aware, but Soma used to be movie theater. No, I've never been to Soma. I know where it is, it's and a I know cool what spot. I know what kind of bands usually play there, but I've never been there. So they they ripped out all the walls in between the theaters except for one. Okay. And so, you know, I don't I don't know how many theaters were there before, but there's one small stage side stage they call it, and it's just a one theater and all the seats are gone, but the the uh the floor is still slanted. Like the seats are there, <laughs> which is funny. It's genius because no matter where you're standing, you're looking you over the guy's head in front of you. That's awesome. And so that's side stage. And then all the other stage theaters, the walls were cut out. And then there's the main stage, which is a huge stage. But it's still, like, pretty damn close. And some major acts have been there. Slayer was there. I think Cannibal Corpse played there. I've seen some huge, I saw As I Lay Dying play there, some huge bands. And you just get that electricity when it's a smaller venue with a big band. And so I get it. I totally get it. Being in a, a live concert, there's there's nothing that compares to it. And then not being able to hear on the way home. <laughs> just getting pummeled. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I think that's I think that's the other thing too, is that uh is that I just I like the feeling of being a part of a crowd that's totally into the music. Sure, everyone's but, like you. But I don't like that. I don't like the the ear splitting music, you know, like how loud it is. And sometimes it's so loud yeah. that to me, it's sort of distorted. I can't even really hear the, the music. Like uh, an example of that is you've heard of the group, uh, the group Muse, right? So Muse is a your big European group. And so when they came here, they were, they were, you know, playing small venues. And so I saw them when I lived in Atlanta and literally I could not hear the music. I could not stand being there. Is like, it because the speakers were too loud and it was distorted or people were singing too no, loud? No, people or? were not singing. It wasn't that. It was just, I just, you know, like my ears are bleeding. They felt like they were bleeding. It was just so loud. Like yeah. I, I seriously thought about like, can I just, can I get earplugs or something to help me in that situation? So I literally could not tolerate it and I left after 20 minutes. 
and it's Muse. I mean, I like I like Muse. I mean, they're not one of right. my favorites, but I like them. I I went there to see them. Yeah, you know. I I mean, there's no shame in putting earplugs in. You know, we got one set of ears, and uh, you know, honestly, I've seen you know, not to call you a kid, but I've seen plenty of kids at concerts with ear earplugs in. I have no shame in it at all. It's just it's just I I don't know. I just. I did not enjoy that at all. And I, and I never left the concert because it was too loud, yeah. you know, but I think, it, you know, and it's specifically the I mean, muse music can, you know, their songs can't get kind of loud. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, had it been, you know, NSYNC, I, I probably would have been able to tolerate it. I, uh, I was always in the pit, in the mosh pit when mm, I was you were that guy. Right. Uh, and now I'm the guy that stands in the back with my arms crossed. <laughs> Nodding, nodding, nodding to the beat, <laughs> giving my my blessing to the, the young folk that are smashing their way in the pit, reminiscing about the fact that you used to be like that, right? Exactly. And then, and then you come home, and then you listen to your hardcore, and then it brings you back to your youth, right. and you feel like a badass again. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so here's another question about music. Yeah. So what? Okay. So you know how like people ask the question and they'll say, they'll say, what kind of music do you like? And I think people either come from one of two camps. The first one is that they either like to say, I like this type of music um, because they take pride in the fact that, you know, they can be associated with this one specific type. Okay. Like say say it's punk music or classical music or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And then you have people from the other camp and those are the ones that like to say, I listen to everything. I listen to everything. Right. Or the what used to be kind of like the common answer was I listen to everything except for country, right? <laughs> but but now country is is so popular. So I would say that you and I and I would throw myself into this the same group as I think you and I actually listen to pretty much everything. I would agree. I mean, yes, they're like for example reggae. Okay, mm-hmm. I like reggae, but I, I will reggae. I will rare for me personally I will rarely just turn on reggae to listen to. I like it, but I but I. I never seek it out. Reggae right? is a daily for me. Okay. See? So, yeah. so I mean, that's that's that, that's something that's diff- different and the same, right? Different that we listen to it, you know, much differently in terms of, like, the amount. But, you know, we both like it a lot. Uh, but anyway, so my question is this, is that do you why – do you, why do you think that it is that you're able to appreciate so many different types of music? Hmm. I think – I think that – you know, there's like like in movies, there's a uh, there's a line for everything. There's a quote for everything, right? In movies, okay. okay. I quote movies often, okay. And I think for music, there's a there's a song for every single situation, every mood, every feeling. I mm. think that just depends on what your particular situation is that that you can you know, that you can find something that resonates with you. Okay. So does that mean that, so I'm, I'm understanding that as being something where let's say, for example, you're in a certain type of mood, then you're going to listen to a certain type of music. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So that's, that's kind of, that's probably the case for most people, right? Like, if like they, gym music. Right. Right. Gym music, a little harder, a little faster, mm. you know, mellow music for just chilling, hanging out. Okay. So that's probably the case for most people. So, more specifically, are you saying that, because I, th- I think I heard you use the word situation. So mm. is that any more specific than like creating a mood or wanting to be in a certain mood? Like, is there a specific type of music for a specific type of situation? Yeah. Is, that, know, what, is that what you're saying? 
if I'm hearing you correctly. Sure. So I, you know, I'm big on uh, we're both. In fact, you're you're a big part of my love for like uh, like chill out, mm-hmm. like, like uh, vocal trance or vocal trance. Well, I mean, just <laughs> no, no, like, I've never even heard of that before, but but I, it really really is a good descriptor. Yeah. So you know, like down tempo, just mm-hmm. just chill out. Type in chill out in Spotify and you'll find a thousand playlists. <laughs> right, right. Probably one of mine. Um, being at the restaurant, you know, you had a lot of that chill out on. And I mm-hmm. think it just sets a cool, mellow vibe. But, you know, I was going to say this. With that said, and I love chill out music, um, it become, it's kind of like the way that I listen to classical music. You know, you and I were talking about earlier how I played piano for mm-hmm. eight years, played violin for 10 years, and I was... I was actually really good at both of them. And so I played a lot of different classical music, you know, a lot of different, you know, types and, and whatnot. But I wasn't, I guess I wouldn't call myself a classical music lover, meaning mm-hmm. like I wasn't a aficionado of it. I don't, at the time, I, I knew all the different composers and styles and whatnot. But now I don't, but I still like to listen to classical music now. But I don't listen to classical music for a specific song per se. I listen to it just because I want that mood Mm -hmm. right and chill out music is kind of the same you know yes if a certain song plays i'll be like oh yeah i know this song you know and and i might even remember the the artist and then there are some artists i actually listen to their whole album but for the most part chill out to me is a mood music like it's kind of this all-encompassing mood music right Mm -hmm. as opposed to like when i talk about depeche mode or you know some of these other groups of mine like i'm I'm listening to to depeche mode i'm Mm -hmm. listening to a cure Mm -hmm. i'm not listening to random 80s synth music it's like i want that group specifically right so chill out i feel like maybe isn't necessarily like that but there are exceptions to it. so like when i'm saying specific groups like this group is one of my favorites oh wonder i think you had that on one of the playlists mm-hmm. um, that you that you sent to me or whatnot so but yeah anyways that's that's how i feel about certain kinds of music creating mood so classical music would be one of those yeah. and and chill out music would be another one yeah i, I would agree i, I don't i like specific DJs but I rarely listen to an entire album of that DJ or or like a specific artist listening to sure. every song by that artist yeah. right which well but I will say this I mean specifically with chill out music I mean usually you can listen to the whole album because the whole album sounds the same sure like, sure it's all sure. the same tempo it's all the same kind of dreamy you know and singing you know with my with vocals. my my chill out list too i I want to say it's it's got to be near 20 hours or so or more i consistently curate that because my my taste change um, and i'll i'll you know i'll put it on shuffle and i'll hear something and it's just like eh. i was gonna say, i do the same thing like i will put together a playlist mm-hmm. and and i don't know if this if this necessarily means that i curated and and kind of fine-tune it years later because you know i probably made another playlist you know of the same genre but mm-hmm. a newer one but I will do this is that when I'm put, putting together a playlist, I will I will grab the songs or I pick the songs, select them and, and put them into the playlist. And then I will move them around to whatever I think flows. And then I'll listen to it all the way through, you know, like maybe three or four times and just like cut out the things that don't make sense and whatnot. You so know? you put it in, you put your playlist in order, specific order. Yeah. Yeah. That's because, too much, dude. No, because, no, because the thing is when I, when I, when, you know, like when. 
I used to make tape mixes like right, in, right. in high school and college. And then when CDRs came out, I was making mixes for all my friends with that. And I was just, I was kind of known in my circle of friends to like be the guy that could put together any mix for any situation. Like you wanted like a slow song, slow jam one you wanted like. Did you make you know, your own labels? <laughs> I did. Justin's jam. I did. I did. I did. Put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> I like put together the artwork for it and, you know, like, and I think, I think that's also, you know, listeners, so we, I think we told you that, that the way that Preston and I met was because the graphic design work for mm-hmm. me when I had my restaurant. And so, but I think Preston would probably attest to the fact that I do have an eye, like an artistic eye for, for things, right? Like mm-hmm. the layout of things and what looks good and whatnot. And so that went all the way back to like when I was trying to put together, you know, these labels for the CDRs right, is like, right. I just wanted them to look cool. Right, and yeah, those so, big like hundred spindle. Oh, the good old days. That that's bringing back some good memories. Now, 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 you're taking me back to like the time where I like I enjoyed that, and like I would go to Tower Records and I would like listen yeah. to because listening stations, right, and right, and right. listening to like I miss I miss all that stuff, you know, like talking about about music, like just just going to like used CD stores, like sure. I loved that. I, I was like, you know, it was like it was just it was like. I mean, not only was it a hobby for me, but just like that, that tactile feeling of like flipping through all the CDs, like in the little racks. Yeah, it was fun. I love that. Like, tower record, off the record, tower records. Yeah. Like, um, when I, you know, I, <clears throat> when, when I was in college, like my, my college or my, I guess high school going into college girlfriend, she was going to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was, I was in Duke. And so when a handful of times that I went to go visit her, we, I would go there and, you know, I'd just be hunting down CDs. There's this chain called Amoeba Music. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that, but it was big up there in the Bay Area and they actually opened up one in LA. In LA. But anyways, it's just like massive, massive, huge like place. And it was just like heaven to me. Like, you know, like going and just be on the list of all this music. I just, cool. yeah, I just, I just loved it. So it was a used place. Yeah. Yeah. Used. I mean, I just, I miss, I miss all of that, you know, like my kids, your kids, all this streaming music. I mean, I love, I love the fact that I have access to everything yeah. and anything that I want. Right. But it's kind of like you took away that, that the joy and the fun of hunting something down of, of that feeling of like you go to a UCD store and there's some album or some artist that you wanted and you found it used. And you're like, Oh shoot, I, I only pay eight ninety nine for this instead of yeah. fifteen ninety nine or, yeah. or whatever, or just, I don't know, just, just the pleasure of, of again, that tactile feeling of, of CDs going to the music store and whatnot. And so, I don't know. I so, feel kind of bad for like this, this generation of people experiencing music because it's different. Well, you, yeah. So it's, it's, you have that, moment of discovery where you find something because you bought it just because the album cover looked cool yeah and you yeah. actually liked it or, or that or that feeling of buying a whole album and then realizing there's only two good songs yeah <laughs> there's yeah. the hit that was on the radio and then one other good song and everything else was terrible right right or or like you know going back to like the 80s like uh when i would buy cd singles mm-hmm. right so you'd have like the hit that was on it and then maybe like a remix or or a b-side or something like that and it's just all of that all yeah. of that, I, I miss all of that stuff. So I found one of my my favorite bands, even to today. The very first CD I ever bought. Oh, yeah, this would be interesting. I'll tell you what my first CDs were. was from a used CD place down the street from my house. And I bought it just because it had this skull on the front. And the flesh was getting ripped apart. Like, it was a, an illustration. Like, <laughs> like Hellraiser. 
Okay. Uh, no idea what it was, but it, it was, just looked. It spoke to you. It was the band Testament. Yeah, exactly. It spoke to me, <laughs> and it was a live album from this band, this metal band Testament. Wait, wait, how old were you? It was I must have been twelve or thirteen? Such sophisticated, sophisticated slash angry taste for for someone <laughs> only twelve years old. Um, and I had that CD forever. In fact, I still have the album on Spotify now. But it was it was great. And Buddy and I used to buy, you know, we had limited money as kids, mm-hmm. you know, and so we would buy like like Megadeth, for instance, and so he would buy one album, like he'd buy half the catalog and I'd buy the other half, and then we would just trade. And so Megadeth was another one. So I bought Megadeth, not knowing anything about Megadeth. But just like in the, was the skeletons they always had on there? It was, I forgot what his name is, but he's like... He's like, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. He's like the skull, and he's got like a metal plate over his eyes. Yeah, plugs yeah, in yeah, his ears. Yeah. Anyways, so I, it's mega death, right? Mega death. It's death that's mega. So I get home like, this is going to be the shit. Could there be anything <laughs> so grand yet so simplistic? If you know anything about mega death, Dave Mustaine, the singer, who used to play guitar for Metallica, actually, until they unceremoniously kicked him out of the band. He has the most, the weirdest voice, high-pitched kind of You mean speaking whiny. voice, speaking voice. No, singing, singing voice. voice, too? Yes. I it's, mean, because I'm not that his, mega. His, sing, his speaking voice is actually kind of gravelly. His singing voice is like, are you familiar with Judas Priest? I know who they are. I mean, it is the, it is the whiniest, highest-pitched, like, weird Isn't metal Dave, voice. Isn't Dave Halford's from Judas Priest? Judas, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The, Rob, the, the, Rob, Rob Halford, the, the bald guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It is the weirdest voice. And, how you know, the intro was like, I mean, it was like, it was hard. It was fast. Me and Billy are like head banging in his room. And then Dave starts singing. And it's like, me, 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 me. We're looking at each other going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you thought it was some sort of like, like gag. It was mega death, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they should have called it like kind of death right, or, yeah. or, or mega, right, mega yeah. sort of death. Yeah. Mega dying. <laughs> <laughs> My soul's dying when I'm listening to it. Yeah. Well, how about you? How about your first CD? Uh, so, okay. So my first cassette was Erasure Wonderland. Erasure? Erasure. You know who Erasure is, right? No. You Era- Erasure? Like Eraser? Erasure. Like, like, like a pencil like, like, like an erasure from my memory. Like I'm going to erase the erasure of that comment you just made. Eraser. (laughs) E-R-A-S-U-R-E. Erasure. You've heard of them. Like they have a song called A Little Respect. They have Chains of Love. Sure, if I play this music for you, you would say like that's awful music, but you would know what it was. You could hum it. Anyways, I loved Erasure. I still still like Erasure. I don't listen to them as much as I I do some of these other groups, but anyways, that was my first cassette. Mm-hmm. I don't know that 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 these other two, my first two CDs, three CDs, are going to redeem myself over that. But so my mom bought a CD player for us, for me and my brother, when CD players had just come out. So the CD player was like five hundred dollars or something like that. Ooh. Right? It was massive, like the, a boombox type. No, it was it was like a, you know like something that you had to plug into like stereo, right? Like it was a component. Oh, like a, uh, yeah, okay. So she let us pick out three CDs, and I'm not sure why I chose these. Uh, one was Top Gun soundtrack, maybe because I just saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Top Gun, it was a, it was a good soundtrack. Yeah, it's a solid choice. 
Rocky Four soundtrack. Rocky also Ford. good because I, my dad took me to see Rocky Four. I love that movie. You know, Eye of the Tiger and like all those songs right? so from, like from 80s from the, rock. Yes, exactly. Like Survivor. Okay. Right? Okay. And then the last one, which is probably the polar opposite of your Testament album with uh-huh. the ripping the whatever off right. is. Flesh. It was it was Whitney Houston's first album. <laughs> How old were you for that one? I want to say like I don't know, seven or eighth grade or something like that. eighth grade maybe. And do you remember the? I I, I I really like Whitney. Houston. I still like Whitney Houston now, but I think I think at that time, like Greatest Love of All or something like that was out, and and I don't know. It was safe because you know. Also, my mom was was sort of approving these mm-hmm. things that these these albums I was buying. So I would not be getting a Testament album. I would not be getting a Megadeth album. I would not be getting a Metallica yeah. album. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, those are my first three. So me Houston's first self titled album. Uh, that was before Bodyguard, right? Yeah, wait, wait okay. before, literally her first album. So okay. nineteen eighty five. Gotcha. Yeah, she was still with Bobby Brown. No, 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 no. She was. She had. It would be. That would be like. Five or ten years before she met Bobby Brown. This is when oh, she really? was still, oh wow, pure like pure Whitney. Okay, not 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 even bodyguard like you know mid twenties mm. Whitney. This was like eighteen year old Whitney wow. okay. with the purest, most beautiful voice. Oh, I will search out this album. Then. Oh, it's the best. I'll check it out. It's still good. So, so again, you know, I don't know that all 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 the songs on all those soundtracks that they were the best or whatever, but. Those those first three CDs, you know, because they were the beginning of like my love of like, you know, CDs, music, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. I mean, those are etched into my memory, yeah. right? Like I will, I know all of those soundtracks. I know all those songs and whatnot. And also because at that age, I was not buying a lot of CDs, so it's like I was listening to the same stuff over and over again yeah, until yeah, yeah, until yeah. I put together enough money or, or or had an occasion that I could you know venture to ask my parents to buy me something. You right. know, then that was the next one, right? So then I'd have not four, but then I'd have five, and then five to six. Yeah, I got a, I got a, a little boombox when I was a kid. I'm trying to remember what age, maybe ten or eleven or so. Mm-hmm. And my spoiled. my grandma—it <laughs> was for my grandma. Okay, my parents would never spend that much money on me at the time, but. But my grandma, she got me a, a Jeff Foxworthy CD, and so it <laughs> and was so you like, were just the funniest kid. Uh, it was yeah, reciting the same. You must jokes. be redneck jokes. <laughs> you Don't, might be a redneck. Uh, oh, the white guy telling right. the redneck jokes. Right. Don't. <laughs> uh, but growing up in a talking about your music selection was mom approved. You know, growing up me in a Christian household. Um, I, my mom would steal my CDs. Well, I would them. too if I saw stuff of like albums of people ripping apart right. and skulls and blood. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's scary to me now. And I'm this is like 40 years later for yeah. me. She would steal my CDs and hide them in her bedroom. And I would go and steal them back. And it was a constant battle. And I remember she was saying, well, I'll give you five bucks a CD. I'm like, these are 15 bucks, you know. <laughs> It's but you know you should have said mom if you're really trying to prove your point you pay me twenty dollars for each one of these fifteen dollars CDs. We went no because I would have turned it into a racket, <laughs> probably <laughs> after hearing about the Georgia Army story, right? You know, and so it was like, and I was you know I was getting in trouble at the time too, so you know she obviously 
thought, you know, Satan had a hold on me via, you know, compact disc. So it was like, well, if you're going to listen to that, then you're going to listen to Christian metal, you know. So so we would go to Foothills Bible Bookstore that was over in La Mesa. And surprisingly, there's some decent Christian metal bands out there. Which, going back to what we were talking about before, is you could still enjoy the music and the loudness sure. and the brashness of it. Sure. But you just ignore the, the lyrics. Right. Exactly. Right? I mean, not like, you know, at the time when I was a kid and listening to metal, I didn't really understand the lyrics anyways. Because it's just screaming anyways. Well, I mean, so. No, 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 no. no. That, that's not a question. That's a statement. What is that statement? <laughs> yeah. About, you know. It's just, it's just, it. just, just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> so managed to find a few, you know, Christian metal bands that I liked, but I don't know. I just, uh, I liked metal. And so, so as a kid, you, you know, your, your mix was 80s rock. Synth, yeah. Synth stuff, Whitney Houston. So you're pretty eclectic already as a kid um, starting out in, in music. I mean, I would like to say I was eclectic. I mean, I would say that all that stuff was all radio friendly at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would still say that, well, okay, radio friendly, but like when we talked about K Rock or K R O Q, mm-hmm. right? That they they were they were really popular, but they were an alternative station, right? So like that's where you would go if you want to listen to the Cure, Depeche Mode, New Order, mm-hmm. Echo and the Bunnymen, you know, like David Bowie, like any of that kind of stuff, right? Like I mean, I guess David Bowie's kind of like older, but actually David Bowie had stuff in the eighties too, but. Where, as opposed to Kiss FM, right? I'm you're familiar with them, right? Mm-hmm. Rick D's and all that. That that was more like you know '80s, like New Kids on the Block, mm-hmm. Paula Abdul, Whitney Houston, you know things like that. So, I mean, I guess the stuff I listened to there was you know at that time was probably still guided by um, exposure from radio and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know by the time I got to college, and for sure when I was in law school, I was. I was like actively seeking out anything that was different, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it still had to fit into like the the sort of sound profile of the things that, that you know, uh, that spoke to me, right, mm-hmm. or, or that I was attracted to. But I always wanted to try to find something that was a little bit different. So, and then now I think that now I'm at an age where it's like I don't have all the time in the world. Plus, it's just too easy now to find stuff, you know, like like streaming, for example, right? I mean... You get on Spotify and then they'll put together mixes for you. They'll Mm -hmm. go find all the other artists that sound like your artists. And it's not just, you know, kind of like a layman's assessment of what sounds like it's like based on like beats per minute. And and, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's like AI. It's like, yeah, yeah, algorithm. Yeah. Algorithm. So it's just, I mean, it's just take to me, it kind of takes the fun out of it. Like all the work that I used to put into I like that. I mean, that's not for everyone, and I certainly don't have the time to do that now, but I love the hunt. No, I, I feel like before. a lot of those pre, pre-selected playlists are trash. They, I feel like they're not. They're not what I'm looking for. Like, when I listen to, for instance, you pick a song, mm-hmm. and you say, play song radio, mm-hmm. XYZ radio. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting every single thing to be very similar to that song. That's what I want. I like this song, and I want to hear shit ton more that are just like this song um and it doesn't in my opinion it, it misses not, the mark <laughs> you know what i probably could not say one way or another how accurate it is because i don't listen to it yeah like they put it together for me and i don't listen to it because because i don't want to because 
to me, it's, it's, it, uh, what's the word for me? It's, you're being, it's, it's kind fed. of, it's almost offensive, you know, that, that, that they try to make it so easy. It assumes you're, yeah. Like, well, I mean, just again, I mean, maybe cause I took so much pride in being able to hunt that. Cause you know, I told you I used to make a lot of mixes for a lot of my friends and their friends and whatnot. And so, you know, we get a lot of satisfaction out of putting together mixes for for people that were from groups that they never heard of, but they really liked it, right? right? So I was the one that was introducing them to something new. And I guess, the, you know, that's the whole point of Spotify now is that they're trying to push all these different artists, right? And I'm sure some of these artists that they push on, on you are not necessarily exactly the same. It's just that these are the artists they're trying to promote. And so mm. they're like, eh, it kind of sounds like the Passion Mode, so I'll just throw it in there, you let, know? Let the record show that with all this playlist putting together, I have given you a top 20 and I'm still waiting for your top 20. My top 20 is coming, but because you set the the standard and the, and the bar so high with your awesome mix, I it might be a little bit before you get mine because I'm trying to figure out like how much of it do I try to do I try to wow you with, you know, breadth of of the different types of genres that I listen to or do I go, you know, with the with the sort of easier answer, which is these are just my favorite songs in general, you know? And favorite songs also sometimes, you know, they, they kind of change, right? Like 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 I told you, Depeche Mode is something that I'm listening to right now, but at the same time, it has not, you know, like five years ago, I wasn't really listening to Depeche Mode a lot, but they were yeah. still one of my, you know, like favorite kind of like all-time groups from all, you know what I'm saying, from right. like my whole life. right. So when you so so it's coming when you <laughs> mix is coming. I'm waiting. I'm holding my <gasps> yeah. Hold I'm your holding breath. my breath. Hold your breath. Um, we were having dinner one night and we were talking about music and we were showing each other some stuff that we liked and mm-hmm. you'd had the suggestion. You know, let's give me your top twenty because you wanted to discover new music. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one together, but and let me tell you, that was difficult because so you feel my pain. Yeah, get it my opinion i think i rushed it and i i love music so much and there's so many different like genres of music that i, I really feel like i could do like a top 20 per genre mm-hmm. just because there's, there's just so much out there like as a kid my genre was metal if it wasn't metal i didn't like it mm-hmm. and then it was ska and punk but it, it had to be fast and loud I, I hated everything else. I hated reggae. I hated country. My dad listened to country nonstop. I mean, this is like 80s, 90s country. A sprinkle of, of 70s in there, some 60s, a little bit of 50s, just some Johnny Cash and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know. But I just hated it. It was just like, it wasn't metal. It sucked. And now I I love country. I love country. Uh, Please say that one more time and a little louder. I love country. <laughs> and so when I made that playlist for you, I basically omitted country because it was like my country places is, is like 20 hours alone. You really? Uh, I didn't I didn't realize. So when you say you love country, meaning like it's one of your favorite genres now? Yeah, I would say so. And also, are we talking about like like top 40 country now? Or no. are you talking about are you talking about like you know, like the current, like, like Hank Williams, Hank Williams, Hank mm-hmm. Williams. Well, Hank Williams is pretty old. Like Hank Williams Jr. Hank Williams Jr. Thank mm-hmm. you. He's like eighties. Late. 70s. I actually like Hank Williams. Oh, do you? Okay. Well, 
what I've heard, like just real quick, like the one time that I started to really appreciate country music because I really when you could pick any any part any like phase of my life and mm. whatever country music was popular at the time, I just did not like. Right? Yeah. And so I could actually say I did not like country music for pretty much most of my life. But I do remember when I was in, I don't want to say it was maybe in college, that there was a movie uh, that starred Kevin Costner called A Perfect World. It played like he played like this bank robber, I think, who befriended like a, a kid. But anyways, it was like old, I want to say fifties and sixties, maybe mainly sixties country music, mm-hmm. and I was like. This is really good. I think yeah. it had like Hank Williams on it. Yeah. And that spoke to me. Yeah. And I would say from that time and when I kind of like was just looking a little bit into like country music at that time, fast forward all the way till like maybe in the last couple of years is when I sort of like, okay, I'll listen to country a little bit more. But it's still like you'd have to put together a country playlist for me to like really get into it because it just still doesn't really like speak to me. Well, country country's a weird genre because it's You've got like like honky tonk country, which is just like good time. Billy Ray know. Cyrus, yeah, like just really just well, old Billy Ray Cyrus dancing or dancing, and you know just being goofy. And then there's the really serious, like sappy. You know, my my dog got run over, and my wife went off with my brother. Right, right. Music. Which is what they say is stereotypically every right. country song music. <laughs> right, country right. song is about right. I mean, it gets real deep in the feels, you know. <laughs> but again, it's like it's like everything else. There's a song for everything, a song for every situation. But I see it as very blue collar. I see it as very as something easily relatable to as you know as the working man the the everyday man uh, see that's the missing part for me because yeah. i can't hear the lyrics yeah so if i can't hear the lyrics In country I, you can I, you think it's easier for me to hear it yeah i believe it would be. <laughs> maybe country is all about the lyrics and that's that's kind of the weird part for me well they, they say that they're really good at storytelling right? storytelling yeah you paint a picture i mean so when I say the last couple of years is when I've kind of like found more country that I like is mm-hmm. that I think this is this is what it says. So Perfect World, the only reason I got exposed to that was because I watched the movie and I was like, eh, I kind of like this music. And then now I said fast forward till the last couple of years and it's because I watched the show Yellowstone, mm-hmm. right? And Yellowstone has like all kinds of country music on it. And I'm like, eh, I kind of like this too. But again, I find that the stuff that I like doesn't sound like the current like polished pop version of, yeah. of country which i mean like lady antebellum or i guess they call them lady, lady a now like i like them like i don't remember know that is five ten years ago but they're just kind of like pop country right okay. like you know i kind of like them. like almost like a almost like when taylor swift was kind of like me making the transition to pop anyways but but i find that shaking they, my head no <laughs> i find the the music that i like from yellowstone is the stuff that sounds more like the very traditional old school yeah sort of country music it's, it's made now but it just sounds old there are a handful of artists current artists who have that old older sound to them and that's that's kind of what i, I gravitate to yeah I, I don't like it's more raw it's just, i don't like polished yeah country music yeah uh, really and honestly these days with that pol- when 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 you when you put a polish to that country music it basically sounds like pop music it does. Right. Yeah. It's a more different beat. Right. Different. And it doesn't, to me, it kind of feels a little bit like a clash, right? Because not the clash, but mm-hmm. a clash mm-hmm. because it just, the 
the the the sort of vibe of like country music is you know like you said it's like kind of sometimes kind of sad it's mm. kind of like storytelling a little bit deeper a little bit more meaningful and then you put like this pop sort of shine on it and that just doesn't work yeah yeah i started my dad really he listened to a lot of country in the garage when he was working out there he had a little radio that he'd had forever am uh am am and fm radio but it was like it was wooden <laughs> so uh and i when I got older and I really started like appreciating, like, like we were talking about earlier before the, the podcast, yeah, appreciating my dad and for what he did and, and, mm-hmm. and me being such a shithead. And, you know, I'd start listening to more country, a lot of country and just, you know, cause it brought me back to when I was a kid and, you know, I was working next to my dad in the garage and see that's, that's like a, I feel like that's like a common theme, right? Like this whole idea of how music takes you back mm. takes you back to a place like it's just so so etched in your memory mm. right like specific types of music for certain events or certain periods of, of time in your life mm. you know like this closeness that you have with your dad you know it's it's a little it's a little i feel a little jealous of the fact that you know you have this specific music that you associate with your dad i mean if i had to say my dad or my mom had music that was yeah. like that it was classical music which again I played a lot when I was when I was younger, but mm-hmm. I didn't have like a, an attachment to it at all. So there wasn't really any guidance or any like really strong memory that I can associate with like my family or like my parents or anything like that. But I hear stories kind of like yours with your dad where it's like, you know, oh, you know, I grew up with like, uh, you know, whatever Johnny Cash playing like all the time mm-hmm. because, you know, they just loved, you know, them or, you know, my parents loved this person or whatever. So I'm eh, a little jealous. Any how about the opposite? Any classical pieces that you hear and you just cringe, like you can't listen to it? No, because, well, I guess my, to be more specific, you mean cringe because of why? Just because, like, bad memory. Oh, or like, you, hated, you mean associated with my parents? No, just like you hated playing it. Oh. You used to play piano. Right, 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 right. No, no. Nothing I mean, I literally, I play these instruments, and then when I stopped playing them, I I just walked away from it. Right. And so I still appreciate classical music now, but like I said, it's it's not even like, you know, I mean, obviously there's different composers, different time periods, different whatever, but to me it's all kind of the same, right, because it's just a mood for me, mm-hmm. you know. Um. So, yeah, it's it's a little sad that I put that much time and that much effort into something like that, but I guess that really shows, like, how much I genuinely myself was into it because I just walked away from it and never looked back. Yeah, and at the time too, it's not really you putting yourself through it. I mean, it was your oh yeah, parents it's, it's them, putting you yeah, through yeah, like pushing me, like making sure. me, you know, do the competitions and doing the recitals and going to the lessons, and mm. and I think everything started to just fade and sort of fall apart once I was in high school because I mean they were still calling the shots, but you know it was kind of wasted effort if they saw me like not putting any time or any effort into it. it was like mm. you know I'm still showing up for the lessons and whatnot, but what's the point? Like. My head was somewhere else. When did you quit? Uh, Both of them were probably when I was 16. 16? Yeah. That was when you got your driver's license? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I graduated from high school when I was 17, so I uh, I guess that must have been like my junior year. Yes. Yeah. So it was like not driving to my lessons? <laughs> <laughs> I think I still I still went, but I think like my very last piano recital, uh, that, that, that was a doozy because it was, you know, I was... I was pretty well known. You know, I grew up in Hemet, and so it was a small community. And and like I said, I was I was good. 
what I did, but I kind of went out in a ball of flames like at the end because, you know, I, I had this reputation as, as being so good in, in piano. And then my final, final recital that I did, like I I was playing it, it's a piano piece and I'm playing it and I get to this one part and I just kind of mess up, mm-hmm. right? And then I, I go back like a few bars, right? Bars meaning like sections. Right. And then I and I start again and get back to the same point where I mess up again. And so I can't remember if I did that two or three times. Yeah. And I just turned to the audience. And I said, okay, guys, like I'm not going to put this, put you through this. I'm going to try one more time. If I can't do it, then, you know, I'll just get up and walk away. <laughs> and, that- and then I went back and I think I... I I think I finally got through that part, right. but my parents, especially my mom, was horrified, horrified <laughs> that I addressed the the audience and that I had the, the gall right. to, to actually break form and to, and to do something like that, you know? And so again, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I butt heads with my mom mm. and uh, this was just one of many, many times where I did the opposite of what she expected me to do. Yeah. Well, you were saying that coming from an Asian household, you had these huge expectations on you to perform or to be a certain, what, certain way or. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the stereotype of most, most Asian kids, right? Is that mm. their, their parents are really strict and the you know, stereotype is that they are all pushed to be like doctors or engineers, mm-hmm. that they all play musical instruments, right. that they all are, you know, nerdy and high you know, obedience. Yeah. Yeah. And whatnot. And, and, I mean, that's that, that that's for another podcast. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, sure. that's you know, I'm sure that'll be one of the deeper, yeah. deeper, deep in SD talks. I um, uh, I played, I also played piano. Okay, wow. Can't 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 see little Preston like playing the piano. One one recital. Did you address the, the audience at all? No, no. But I I I might have thrown up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i'm not good with public speaking or anything in front of other people and so playing a piano shittily in was, front was, of a lot was, of people was nerve-wracking right yeah so i i uh i also played guitar uh but i never really read sheet music hmm. uh piano i was terrible at i was terrible uh, but she teacher was this old lady in the neighborhood and I don't remember how my mom met her but um, she was nice enough and she she had these little four inch plastic busts of other composers composers. yes yes those were things that were given away as like prizes yeah yeah yeah, like Mozart and Beethoven exactly and I thought those things were cool as shit how so did I I thought Uh, they were the best and they were made of like plastic or something they had this smell to them (laughs) a specific smell all I wanted to play was that dun 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 Oh yeah, da, 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 da. but you never got there. Not, uh, no, not anywhere close. No, 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 not even close. No, I think you know Mary had a little lamb, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Okay, well, if your if your song sounded anything like what you're talking about, it's probably like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it wasn't da, 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 It was ding, ding, ding. All right, furthest I got was Fertilise. You got you played Fertilise. Yeah, you played that. Yes, yes. Whoa, okay, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. So that was my recital song. Was, wow. was that song? Oh, wow. So you got pretty far. For at least is not a beginner song. I, I, you had to have put in at least three years for that. No, it was one 
One year? One year. You must yeah. have played some simplified version of Pearl. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah, the, you're like you're like, well, well, Justin, my version was I literally played the da 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 and then the teacher took over after that. I mean, and I was sitting on her lap. Probably like a quarter song, maybe. You know, a quarter song? Like, what does that mean? I mean, take the song, cut it in quarters. It's, I don't I don't look, I don't talk to people that only play quarter <laughs> songs. Okay. You didn't tell me this before we decided to do a podcast that you are a quarter song player. It's probably in the wrong key as well. Wow. Well, going back to like the whole nervousness thing. So, you know, that whole time that I played piano and violin, every single time before it was my turn to go, I was, I, I was like so nervous Mm -hmm. and, and I was, I was like sure that I was going to forget. I mean, you know, like that's always, always been like a fear of mine, right? Stage fright. Huh? Stage fright. Like, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I guess it's stage fright, but I mean, spe- more specifically, just not just being nervous and freezing up, but just literally not like forgetting everything, mm-hmm. right? Like not even like, because mm-hmm. everything is memorized, right? Like at recitals, you don't take your, your music there with you. You have to memorize everything, right? And so I would always have this fear right before I'm going, like my mind's going to go blank and I'm, I'm going to forget everything. Like I won't be able to play anything. But every single time, except for the last time, you know, the, my last recital, Every time I go up there, it just magically just happened. You know, I don't know if it's from rote memory, from having practiced so many times or, or whatever, you know, something came over me, but I was just, I just got shit done. Recitals, you don't, know? you don't get to look at the sheet music? Not, not with my teacher. She was a hard ass. Yeah. Yeah. You memorized everything. Wow. Everything was memorized. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, so your whole being nervous and whatnot, I think everyone's like that. I mean, I was... You know, most people, I think, that, that do even things professionally, they still get nerves. And if you don't get the nerves, that's probably, you're probably not, not doing your best. You're not doing enough drugs. <laughs> it could be that, too. Uh, Where are we on time? Time. It's time, it's time to wrap it up, actually. <laughs> well, okay. What did we have for dinner tonight? We had a couple of sandwiches from... Uh, Rubicon. Rubicon. The Rubicon, yes. This is the Point Loma one, I believe. It was the La Jolla one, actually. La Jolla. Oh, La Jolla. I didn't even know they had one, but I think it's on La Jolla Village Drive or something. So it's up by UTC. Sweet. They were delicious. Not the first time we've eaten there. No, no. But the first time I've had this sandwich, and I was pretty stoked on it. Yeah, I think so, Preston. You had like some kind of like roast beef? Roast. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, roast. I know. It was like. Serve with an au jus, so it's I don't whatever know what that the name, the official name was. What oh, dip, was dip, beef. dip, dipping dapper or something like that. Dapping, dapper, dapper, dipper, dapper, had, dipper had two D's in it. So you had that, and I had the Rubicon Club, which is like a buffalo sauce on, or no, it's like a turkey with buffalo sauce, and then there's like cilantro, jalapeno sauce, and bacon, and. You know, like basically all the things that you would imagine would go well in a in a sub, and then you get to pick the bread, right? So I got like the blue cheese bread, and, and I guess apparently Preston doesn't like blue cheese on his. No, not the crumble on top. I I didn't know you picked blue cheese bread. I thought you got the Dutch crunch. Oh, which I which I I would normally get, but sometimes I go wild and I get. Well, blue I, I thought the crumbles on top was the crunch, the Dutch crunch. It was crunchy, but it was crunchy blue cheese. Yum. It was weird. Yum. It was weird. You can't ask for more than that. <laughs> Mine was pretty good. It was roast beef with a horseradish spread. Horse you, you replaced radish Swiss spread. for cheddar, cheddar, and you right. took out the fried onions. Right. It came with fried onions, which I have had the fried onions from there before. Uh-huh. It's a little much. It's a little uh, decadent. 
Or my you cannot trust a person that does not like fried onions. I like fried onion, like uh, green, green bean, green, green bean, bean casserole. casserole with green. Yes, Delicious. perfect. Do you? More importantly, do you like funyuns? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. My not daughter e- loves. Not funyuns. exactly the same thing, but funyuns are the, the best. The one, but I don't know about the La Jolla location, but the one in Point Loma, uh-huh. they they're greasy, man. They're just it's too much. But there's no. <laughs> my conversation about it already right of you and it was delicious right okay so 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 preston had suggested to me that we not rate our sandwiches because maybe we might be cutting our legs off when it comes to i don't know any sort of collaboration with like any specific businesses or sandwich shops or restaurants but i said to hell with that because we are going to just be honest true. and we are going to be true, true to ourselves true. and we're going to lay it down. So what is your rating of these sandwiches? So I didn't try yours, mm-hmm. um, but my roast beef, I would give it a, I don't know, it's pretty damn good. I mean, especially combined with the au jus. I'd give it an eight out of 10. I mean, say eight and a half out of 10. Okay. I would give yours an eight. Because I gave him a piece of mine. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he asked for a half size and I ordered a full size yeah. because I assumed that he would give me half of it and I, got, three I, and I got one quarter. So that This guy out. eats two sandwiches. It didn't work out for me at all. <laughs> so my sandwich, I would give a nine, a solid nine. Really? Maybe, maybe a 9.25. I don't think I've ever given any, I mean, and I love Buffalo, but I don't think I've ever given anything Buffalo a, that high of a rating. You know why? Because the Buffalo is, is, is not, the major player in this in this sandwich mm. like, like you know like if you didn't tell me that there's buffalo in there i probably wouldn't even guess it and that that's a testament to sort of how well all these flavors just kind of like blend together because because to me okay everyone says a sandwich is like the easiest thing every time you go somewhere people are like oh i don't want to spend all this money especially now 15 dollars mm. for a sandwich mm. why don't i spend all this money when when i can make a sandwich at home okay Make this sandwich at home. I want to see you make this sandwich at home. I don't know, man. I put some pretty good sandwiches. I'm together. sure you do. But, you know, to me, the magic of a sandwich is like all the parts going together in some sort of like harmony yep. that makes it work, right? I mean, that that goes from like the bread you pick to how much lettuce you put into it to the quality of the meat to the sauce. How much meat you put in, you know, in terms of, say, bacon to turkey to... It's it's a science, okay. you know, and for sure, like I have not perfected that at all at home. I, I made sandwiches that are good, but nothing mind blowing at all. Yeah. Any suggestions for a Rubicon at all? Any specific anything? sandwiches? You mean no? Just any in general. Any I honestly, I I cannot mouse? remember all the ones I've had. I probably had like maybe five or six different ones from them, and every single time, it's like it's pretty mind blowing. No, um, yeah. like go ahead. No, I just I I mean I. They're like one of those places where you don't have to worry about what the person who you suggest to go there, what they order, because mm-hmm. pretty much they're going to be satisfied. And I, if they don't, then that's a personal problem. <laughs> Here's my complaint or suggestion. Complaint slash okay, suggestion. So as I said, it's it's a personal problem. Uh, well, you might agree with me. Uh, my wife's as well. So my sandwich, I chose jalapeno cheddar for the yes. bread, which mm-hmm. was good. Mm-hmm. My complaint slash suggestion would be to offer a... Plain white, plain white roll or bread or whatever. Everything they have is some specific, either it's, what is it, garlic, Parmesan, 
jalapeno cheddar, Dutch crunch, or if you want plain white bread, go to Vaughn's. I'm just, just saying. I'm just saying. If you want the ingredients in your sandwich to shine, offer a, a plain white as and well. And that's what a B plus <laughs> sandwich shop would do. When you are an A grade sandwich shop, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go all out. You're going to say, you know what? We put all the stuff together in harmony inside of the sandwich. And you know what? We're going to go all out with the bread, too. Uh, We're not going to go plain white bread. We're not going to say, oh, we need the insides to speak for themselves. No. Everything goes well together. And that's the difference between a really good sandwich and a mind-blowing sandwich. I'm going to let you. We're going to end on that. (laughs) Words from Justin. (laughs) Go to Rubicon. Go Justin to loves Rubicon, so go to Rubicon. Give it a try. We're not getting paid for this or sponsored or anything, but we wouldn't mind it either. <laughs> we wouldn't mind it at all. It doesn't matter because we are gonna we're gonna buy the sandwiches no matter what. You can give it to us for free. If not, then we'll spend our hard earned money there. Just get some white bread, please. No, please. Thank you. Bye. Have a good night.